the thing that's good for us is maintaining our longevity, keeping our joints strong, getting better sleep, having more energy and a better mood. These are all the things that exercise can do for us. And, you know, it's such this tricky area because like we said earlier, a lot of people arrive at fitness because they're unhappy with the way they look. And it's like this entry point that can either take you like to like a fork in the road where it, and it becomes an obsession or it becomes the thing that opens your mind to all of the other good stuff. Welcome back to Let's Drive the Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and it's a pleasure as always to have you here listening. If you're an OG, welcome back. If you're new, happy to have you. Uh, this podcast has evolved a lot over the past few months, over the past three years I've been doing it, uh, and it just always warms my heart to know that some of you have been here from the beginning and that some of you are brand freaking new, and I just hope to leave a good enough impression that you stay around for a few. <laughs> um, today's been quite the day. It's one of those days in which you have a lot to do, and you know doing some of these said tasks or pressures will make you hopefully feel better, right? Relieve some stress or anxiety, whatever, off your plate, and yet you just can't bring yourself to do them. I mean, for instance, like, I don't know. You know, like, I'm also the type where if I know I, ha I procrastinate and then I'm like, I shift focus. Like, today alone, I've been working on five different projects and I'm at the point now where I'm like, I should just pick one and get it done so that I feel good about that versus dabbling in five different directions. But here I am recording in podcast intro and then about to walk the dogs. So <laughs> that just goes to show how scattered I am right now. But overall, super excited for this episode. Um, I'm not quite sure when it's coming out in regards to me recording this intro, but it is to date, one of my favorites um, in terms of the topic we're discussing, which is really diving into what it looks like to have an intuitive and just self-aware relationship with exercise and movement and our bodies. Uh, Helen, as you'll hear us discuss in this episode, is truly a badass at this all. She really founded and started and took the drive on this entire intuitive Pilates movement that she's created through her programs, as well as so much more, of course, but that's kind of where it all started and originated, and now it's just grown into such such a process and beautiful creation that she has made. And in this episode, we really dive into the why behind it all, right? And we go back in time a bit, and we discuss her own upbringing and her own struggles and toxic relationships to health and body image and how that was really exasperated through her history with dancing and then the point at which she just decided, I don't want this for myself, you know, like I, I want to have a better relationship with myself and my body and with movement. And so that's when her entire journey into intuitive Pilates, intuitive movement really began. And one of my favorite parts of this episode, and it's something I've been talking about nonstop since, I've been telling my friends like, hey, guess what I just found out in this episode? And it's something I've been practicing and implementing in my own life is this idea of 360 breath work, right? And I'm not talking about breath work in the like, I don't know, typical way, right? Where you think like intense breath work sessions and practices, and it's a really like immersive experience. I'm talking about like the day-to-day -day breathing that you do. Helen explains in this episode how so many of us are breathing in one direction. And if you think of our diaphragm as an umbrella, it's like we're only opening the front and we're only breathing through our front body, right? Like through our core, essentially, because you think of deep belly breaths. Well, what she explains is that 360 breathing and the type of breathing that is best and most supportive to our bodies is to really imagine that diaphragm and imagine our breath, our deep focused breaths as that umbrella opening all the way. 
So breathing and expanding through the sides of your body, sort of like in that area where your lats are, as well as through the back. And when she was talking about this, it's such a simple concept. And but I realized as we were recording, like all of my deep breathing is only opening the front of that umbrella. It's only through my front body and my abdomen and stomach. I don't know that area essentially. And she was saying how that can increase tightness in the back and in the sides of your body. And I just thought about how true that is and how it felt in my body. And so ever since I've been practicing this, where when I take a deep breath, I just imagine my like entire diaphragm. I hope I'm using the right body part organ for this description. Um, opening like like that full umbrella, you know? Like I imagine breath going in. Like when I'm breathing in, I imagine it filling the space through my back and the sides and my like front area. And then when I release and I exhale, I imagine like that all kind of like all the air escaping and coming out of those areas as well. And I don't know, maybe it sounds a little odd and peculiar to describe, but try it. Like just try breathing in that like 360 way. She explains it better. So just listen, <laughs> listen to the part where she starts talking about that and then you will understand. And if you still don't, then reach out to me or her or maybe look it up. I'm sure it's online and you'll figure it out. But overall, like this episode actually did teach me a few things or at least gave me something to think about, uh, reminded me of a few things that I've, you know, you always need those reminders sometimes when struggles come up in regards to recovery and just really finding finding yourself and building awareness and feeling at home and comfortable and at peace in your body. So I hope this episode brings you all of those things, gets you thinking, um, or just prompts you to give things a second look. And if you'd like to discuss these thoughts, realizations you have, if you'd like to share, connect, etc., you can find us both on Instagram. I'm on there at Emily Feichels and Helen is on there at Helen Phelan. I'll have it all linked below. And yeah, we'd love to connect. Share this episode with a friend, with a loved one, with someone who might need it. Leave a rate and review if you feel called to. Um, They're all super simple ways to really support the show and all the work that goes into it. So thank you as always for listening. And without further ado, let's begin. Well, to start out, um, if you don't mind giving like a little introduction into who you are and what it is you're doing in this season of life, And then we'll jump into some like kind of more specific questions I have, I suppose. Sure, sure. So my name is Helen Phelan. Uh, I'm a Pilates instructor. I'm also the founder of Helen Phelan Studio, which is my uh, online Pilates platform. Um, But what makes it different from other online workouts is that everything is through the lens of body neutrality and also intuitive movement. So to me, That means that classes are about how you feel and not about how you look. So you'll never hear any sort of like body shaming or or like cueing based on appearance or God God forbid transformation pics on my social media. Um, Trying to take the diet culture influence out of my own fitness practice and of course the way that I I lead others through their own practices. Um, Trying to think what what are some other descriptors of me. Uh, I'm a performer, a former professional dancer. So that definitely influences a lot of, of my classes, but I also really hate when people think that Pilates is like just for dancers or just for like skinny, rich white ladies. Uh, I think that's a really unfortunate misconception because Pilates feels so great and moving your body from this like slower, more breath centric and intentional viewpoint. I think it's not only really physically empowering because it's it's an excellent way at getting stronger, but it really helps you connect to your body in a way that, you know, so much of our society is designed around quite the opposite about muting your intuition and, and disconnecting from your body because, you know, love it or hate it, we have to be on our screens so much. So it's, it's to me, it's just built in self connection time if that makes time it makes sense oh a hundred percent I mean the biggest blessing and like part of this recovery journey for me and my eating disorder and an exercise obsession all of it has been getting to the point where I've 
I more so value the mental and emotional grounding and release I find through movement than I do. I'm more than I am concerned about like the physical aspects of calories burned, amount sweat, time done, et cetera. And it's taken a lot of time and work to shift in that direction. But I mean, I, you, so many others are like prime examples that it is possible. And I love that you've not only done that for yourself, but you've now created like an entire system program offering for people that can support them in that realm as well. Um, so yeah, and I, I guess I'm curious, you mentioned you're a former pro dancer. Um, I know you've had like your own history with all of this. So is that why this all started? Like, were you prompted to begin this line of work because of your own history and or own struggles in a field like this? Yeah. I mean, well, Pilates is, is something that's been a part of my life since I was really young, just because I was training uh, at a pretty competitive level uh, in dance and Pilates is great for dancers. That's part of the reason why it's so popular with dancers because it you know helps you with your balance, your your flexibility, all that stuff that dancers need, um, but also everyone <laughs> needs. So again, I hate when it gets too much painted into that little corner, but that was how I was first introduced to it. Uh, and then I actually studied Pilates in college. I majored in dance and part of the the dance performance and choreography major at Elon where I went to school was two semesters of somatic theory. And I went on to TA those classes as well. And I did a semester of independent study um, in classical Pilates and got my MAT certification during that time as well. So I was really only ever thinking of it as like my survivor job, not like, you know, I, I never foresaw a career in it. It was very much, you know, how can I make money between dance gigs and have this like built-in way to take care of my body. Um, but I would also be lying if I said that it was like all good intentions, because I think a lot of people get into fitness and wellness uh, because of disordered eating habits. So I definitely was dealing with an eating disorder all through college, high school, college, and my, my early twenties. And it was very easy to hide that struggle under the guise of wellness, which I'm sure you can relate to a lot of people when they sort of recover from like the textbook eating disorder that you see portrayed in movies and, you know, like the cliche of the, like the ballerina with an eating disorder, there's like this limbo ground where you're like, you're, you're trying so hard to be healthy that you overdo trying to be healthy. Mm -hmm. And that in itself is is equally as unhealthy as the more, you know, the the storylines that we're more familiar with. And I think that with the rise of body positivity and body neutrality, we're becoming more aware of that, which is a good thing, but it's still something that I I I feel like I need to talk about all the time because wellness is supposed to be about your well-being. And so often it's it it has the opposite effect on us. So I definitely went through that stage myself as a new teacher. And it was when I sought recovery for my eating disorder and went back to therapy that I realized that it, it felt really icky. <laughs> like I didn't want to be associated with the type of stuff that I found so harmful, but at the same time, like we, we kind of touched on movement is so powerful and, and can feel so great. And it felt like such a shame that people had to kind of choose either diet culture or or, or engaging with fitness when I've, or, or not engaging with fitness when there had to be some way to integrate both. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I was right there in that same ideology thereof. I had, you know, diagnosed anorexia nervosa, very typical cliche treatment, blah, blah, blah. And what happened was right. Like once I was recovered in quotes from that and society, my doctors, family, et cetera, saw that recovery per se, they, it was like everything, you know, kind of got put in the back burner. And while I was able to physically maintain a certain appearance and way of life, it was like all the mental side of eating disordered and exercise obsession and all of that, just really lack of love and respect and, you know, confidence in myself that nobody could see and that I was struggling with. And that led me to orthorexia, right. And like continuing like the exercise obsession, just in the name of what everybody else saw is like, me being quote unquote healthy. And so I think that is so, it's so apparent and something so many people struggle with, especially with social media and all of that going on. 
Um, but it's, as you said, like movement doesn't have to be demonized in that way. And like bundled in with disordered eating. And I know for me, like movement has always been so powerful and there's been something, like I said, in the beginning about shifting that mindset with it. And I love at the one point on your Instagram, you shared practices for building like body awareness or grounding techniques or such of that sort. And I just absolutely love that because I'm like so many of us, we start out with that, like obsessive or just not quite the right mindset with exercise. And it just turns into this like process or movement we go through without really like taking time to think it through or feel how it feels in our body. And so I guess like, how do you kind of guide people or direct them to build that body awareness um, through movement? And then maybe that, you know, overshadows in other parts of life. Yeah. Well, I think the very first thing I, I tell people is that it's, it's a process. And even when like, say you're like a brand new client, you're coming in for a Pilates session. And if you, if you have no experience with movement, never did sports in high school, you know, like you're totally fresh, that's really intimidating. There's a, the vocabulary in, in the wellness world in general, but even in, in Pilates, like, even if you're like a CrossFitter coming to Pilates, it's a whole different language. And I try to tell people that it's like, it's really like learning an instrument, like learning piano, except your body is the piano. So it's this long-term process. And that's, I think plays into why this is not a more mainstream style of teaching because it's way less sexy to write on Instagram. This is going to take you years, if not the whole rest of your life to figure out versus like 10 days to like this quick fix. And there, there just really isn't a a quick fix. It's a, a process of getting to understand yourself and your body. And also newsflash, your body's always changing too. So just when you think you've nailed it, there's something else to, to start to become aware of. So that is the disclaimer that I always, always give, but also the, the quickest tips I can say are like, slow down. You can't listen to your body. If you're racing through things, whether that's, you know, intuitive eating or intuitive movement, take your time that gives you a second to catch your breath, no pun intended, and have a better like receiving state of being able to pay attention to what's going on. Our capitalist culture and all of all of these things are at play all the time that keep us racing, our mind racing. We don't have time to pay attention. So when people are like, oh yeah, listen to your body, that sounds very poetic and and nice, but we, we are not really trained to do that as adults in our culture. So slowing down, thinking about your breath. I mean, there's a lot of Pilates reasons why we want to be so focused on our breath in terms of like a functional core and regulating your nervous system. But also I find that syncing your breath to your movement helps you stay focused on the movement and focused on your body versus on your to-do list or, you know, even, you know, criticizing yourself in the mirror, picking at your outfit, whatever, whatever, all the stuff that floods our minds when we're, when we're in a movement practice. Uh, Let's see, slowing down, breathing, and then also putting your hands on your body. So this is something I talk about, especially in my Zoom classes or my on-demand classes, just because, you know, I'm not there to give you a hands-on adjustment, but closing your eyes, putting your hands on your body where I'm asking you to feel the movement. So say it's like a glute bridge, put your hands on your butt, make sure those muscles are activating, but also like put your hands on your hips, make sure you're not twisting one side down. So often we're so used to doing a movement in some sort of like habitual pattern that may or may not be actually the correct form that doing the form in the more functional way for your body can feel wrong or feel really unfamiliar. And that has been an additional challenge of, of making movement part of your life the past 18 months, because a lot of us haven't had, most of us haven't had access to, to being with our instructors. I haven't had access to having my instructor give me, give me hands-on correction. And I do think that, you know, your body better than anyone, even if you are able to take a private session or, or have a, a group class with the teacher there with you. Uh, it's just that a lot of us don't feel confident about making decisions about our body. You don't need to do a Pilates certification to 
to keep your body safe. Although I do think, you know, that was really empowering for me to, to feel like I had a more, more background knowledge about what to do with my body. But if you're taking class regularly, whether it's mine or, you know, like you're a runner or whatever it is, the thing that you enjoy doing, practicing that body awareness helps you figure out what the safest, healthiest, and yeah, most challenging so that you continue to build strength method or, you know, I try to say option instead of modification because it has a, you know, less of a value ascription to it, but it helps you choose the right thing for your body. Yeah, no. And I, that, that being said, it like makes me think of, um, kind of like fitness classes and how I've shifted. I really started to be more, um, intentional about what classes I take or try to partake in because so often they're like, whether they're intending to or not, it feels very rushed, you know, and I'd find myself like doing squats or lunges or something where I'm holding like weight or even if it's body weight. Right. And these are moves where it's like, it is important that you do them correctly for your body. So you're not, you know, like doing any damage or just so you're getting the most out of the experience or so that you can focus on your breath. And I just found I wasn't able to do that. And it, it wasn't until like getting into bar or like some slower movement ones that helped me really start to focus on breath or like, yeah, like even put your hands on your hips and like feel how they're moving or like put them over your abdomen or wherever you can just to like feel how your body moves and like what feels best, right? Like for you as yourself. And um, I don't know, I think that's like, yeah, we just, we're so used to tuning out of things. Like even, even with like social media, like our relationship with food, relationship with others, like it's so easy nowadays to distract. And I think that for how many of us really do enjoy the like the mental, emotional release and benefits of movement, we also still so easily like let ourselves get distracted, as you said, with like the to-do list and everything that comes to follow. Um, So I love that, just like getting a bit more focused and intentional um, with the workouts. And I think that's like a really good way to probably build that overall awareness during it too. Yeah, I think anything that you can do to highlight the sensory aspect of the experience, like, yes, you want to be doing a workout that's safe, first and foremost, sort of like, you know, bare minimum. But when we're talking about how can we, like, enhance that experience once you know that you're, you know, doing whatever it is that you want to do, your sense of smell, what you're looking at, sometimes closing your eyes, eliminating eliminating the the visual, whether that's because you're staring at yourself in the mirror or for instance, like closing your eyes messes with your balance quite a bit because we rely on our eyesight so much to balance. So you wanna make something a little more challenging. You wanna test how much control over you, you have over something, try closing your eyes or let your favorite candle that helps you get into this like mindset of taking time for yourself, that idea of physical touch, which I, I mentioned before, but that also can be imagined. Like I give a lot of visual cues. I teach most of my classes body weight since it is you know designed for at-home workouts. Mm-hmm. Um, but using props are, is a really effective way at helping you build that body awareness because you get more familiar with the sensation of moving with resistance. That being said, you can create that all in your mind by visualizing what it feels like to move with a TheraBand or lifting something or pushing something really heavy. And I find that that just, it, it's, it's very grounding and it helps you stay, stay on the mat and in your body. No, I love that. And I, I like with your movements and such that you do, you integrate in like, I don't know, the particulars of like meditation or breath breath work or any other mindfulness, like grounding technique with your movements, or is that not, not like a facet of your, your life or your like self-care regimen, I suppose. As a, like a personal, in my personal practice, I definitely, I definitely sort of, I'm not a purist by any means, but like I pick and choose depending on, on you know, on what it feels like I need that day, you know, part of me wishes I was like a wake up at 5am and meditate type of person but I wish I that all the time. And yet it's not yeah. happening. <laughs> but I do find that like, there are other ways to have rituals that, that thread some of that energy into your day. Like I take my dog on a walk to the park every single morning. And that itself is quite meditative for me. 
Um, I do sort of similar to what I was just talking about that like five sense grounding technique is like something that I call on definitely if I'm like experiencing like a, a bout of anxiety or like I need to immediately regulate my nervous system because of some sort of outside stressor. I really love the, I, I forget the order of it. it's like five things you can see, four things you can hear, things you can touch, smell, taste, whatever. Um, Cause it gives you like this framework that feels very organized and satisfying to my type A brain. And it also, it, when I feel like there's like rules to tick off, it is helpful for not feeling overwhelmed and, and having sort of like an ADHD brain that I have often. Um, what else? Yeah, definitely. I mean, breathwork is sort of like built into Pilates, not like breathwork with a capital B. Yeah. Like the, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. That, like the yeah. healing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there is breathing techniques, you should say, the three-dimensional there breathing um, where you're you're thinking about breathing, not just into the sides of the ribs, not just into the low belly, but also into the back ribs mm. and trying to equally distribute that breath. I think a lot of fitness instructors uh, cue belly breathing because it's a really fast way to help someone feel their their TAs, their transverse abdominals. Uh, and then uh, for a long time in classical Pilates education, people were talking about just lateral breathing, which is breathing into the sides of your ribs only. And what that does is lock all this tension into the low back if we're not getting any movement around the back of the rib cage. And that can become pressure on the pelvic floor that can inhibit how much of our core we're able to use. And it can feel like chronic tightness and pain in the body. And then you have like one stressful thing in your to-do list and all of a sudden you're hunched up in your shoulders and your neck and you can't move and it's just this cycle. So I, I especially say this to my, my prenatal and postpartum clients that breathing correctly is the most intense abdominal exercise that you can do. And also just like the best stress relieving technique. It's like more important than doing like a workout every single day is learning to breathe because you're doing that all the time. And it's going to have an impact on, on the strength work that you're adding in as a supplement. Um, so yes, in that regard. <laughs> okay. Okay. And I'm very curious about that. Cause I, yeah, with, with the breath work, I meant more so like that breathing technique mm -hmm. um, because I know for me personally, I just found I realized a little while ago that I'm a very shallow breather. Mm. And so I really, I'll find myself all of a sudden like gulping for air. Right. So I've worked to really integrate a bit more like deep breathing throughout the day. But I mean, all I've ever really thought of is like that belly breath, right. That like, like you said, most people just throw out there, but I didn't know about like side lateral or like breathing into your back. And like, that mm. all sounds so cool. And as you were saying it, I was trying to like imagine how I would do it or how it would feel. And I don't know if I was doing it right, but I was like, oh, okay. Like I kind of maybe see what you're saying, but is that what you mean by learning to breathe? Like just doing yeah. 60 round body breathing. And if so, like, are there other areas to focus on? Or are those like the three that you sort of revolve around? So if you want to think of your diaphragm as like a, an umbrella that's closed, Okay. And when you inhale, you want the umbrella to expand in all directions. So that's why we think low belly. That's why we think side ribs. That's why we also think back body. And what a lot of people are doing is just like the front of the umbrella, kind of like what you're talking about, which adds this tension to the back body. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I've ever seen anyone who breathes like just into their back. I don't know that yeah. that's actually <laughs> physically, physically possible, but we all have our own sort of unique compensations that accompany whatever's going on in our lives. Um, but another way to think of that and a way that I, I often teach people who have never heard of 3D breathing or 360 or, you know, what, however you want to call, call breathing in, in all directions, your entire abdominal canister is getting into child's pose, like a narrow child's pose with your knees together. And that way the knees kind of like block too much belly expansion. Okay. And you can focus on highlighting that awareness between the shoulder blades and imagine your ribs pulling apart in the back. I'll also th say things like, you know, um, puffing up your upper back or trying to increase the space between each of your ribs. Um, and this is sort of what I mean by, by intuitive and intentional movement. It's a lot more specific. I use a lot of vis visualizations, a lot of imagery, more than just like 
sit in child's pose and breathe, giving you something to imagine and to embody, again, takes it right back to the very beginning of what we were talking about. It helps you get comfortable being in your body, which is sort of a scary thing for a lot of people too, if they've been disconnected from their bodies from a long time. So if it's feeling overwhelming and you're, and oftentimes, you know, people are like, oh my God, there's so much to think about. I have to drop my shoulders. I have to make sure I'm breathing. I have to keep my leg out here, whatever it is, the exercises. I always try to say like, come back to one thing and that's the breath Mm -hmm. so that you can so that you can breathe, which is very important. Um, but because that does so much for your body. And if we're, if we're not breathing the rest of the strength work that we do, it can kind of feel moot. Mm-hmm. And also it's, it's a bit much to try to be perfect at everything all the time. So for one session or 20 sessions, however long it takes, think about one thing and then layer in okay, I'm not going to sh- like hike my and shrug my shoulders up to my neck the entire class. And then the next time you can think of a new thing as like, oh, I'm going to try to not suck my gut in. I'm going to think instead about like a gentle hugging sensation. Mm-hmm. So it's less bracing and a, a deeper core activation. There's so many patterns and habits to unlearn and all of our bodies are are so different. We have different experiences and different things held in our bodies that it's just important to take it one step at a time and let things evolve naturally. Yeah, no, I'm just so fascinated by this all because I don't know, I just, I'm thinking back on all these many times before and like classes or with my own workouts or anything like that, where I'd realize all of a sudden, like, wow, I'm barely breathing because I'm so Mm. concerned about like keeping up the pace of this class or, you know, or like, I'm so concerned on like, making sure I like, yeah, I'm like squeezing my gut in and like trying to like brace it as much as I can that I'm in turn then not breathing once more. And I'm, Mm -hmm. it's just, I'm thinking back through all these things. And, um, I don't know, I I think there is something like you said, like it could, it can seem like a lot and to be thinking of all these more intentional body awareness factors of it, but like what great mental stimulation, you know, (laughs) like what a great way to get focused and not be worrying about, the to-do list or anything to follow and just to be grounded if you're really truly thinking about breath, body position, body feels, etc. And I feel like this could also be um I know you did a post on this as well and I loved it, but it was on the idea of like fitness fatigue or just overall like burnout in the sense as mm-hmm. well. And I know myself and probably everybody who works out has reached this point, right? Where we're going ham, we're doing our all we're just going, going, going. And then all of a sudden, like we either are forced to take a break, something's happened, or we decide to take a break or something else comes up. And next thing you know, like we just were burnt out. We can't get back into it. Or we feel like we've completely gone back to day one. And it becomes just this like cycle, almost like that 10 day fix thing you were saying earlier, right? It's like, we go on this like burst and then we're mm. just done. It's like, we're sprinting. And I, I love that idea and approach of like more intuitive body aware practices and how that could potentially, and I'm sure kind of prevent that fitness fatigue or burnout from happening. And so I'm just curious, like if you've had your own experience with that, or if you've seen that in a lot of clients, how you help people move through that. I just think it's something that a lot of people do need support in. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the the post you're referencing is that is the one I made about how Exercising with the sole intent of changing your appearance is the quickest way to burn out on exercise because it it puts you in this mental state of feeling like you're not good enough, no matter mm. how no matter how great you felt during the workout. Um, if you're associating it consistently with feeling like you're less than or not enough, that becomes something that's really it, it just makes it a, a lot more uphill of a mountain to maintain the regular practice of, of moving your body, which is the thing that's really good for us. Not necessarily being the thinnest person in the world. That's not the thing that's really good for us. The thing that's good for us is maintaining our longevity, keeping our joints strong, getting better sleep, having more energy and a better mood. These are all the things that exercise can do for us. And, you know, it's such this tricky area. Cause like we said earlier, a lot of people arrive at fitness because they're unhappy with the way they look. And it's like this entry point that can either take you like to like a fork in the road where you go down like a really toxic path and it becomes 
an obsession or it becomes the thing that opens your mind to all of the other good stuff. And then you can hopefully sort of let go of that baggage, the more into the the good part of the woods, you could say you get, but it's also that road is also sometimes really zigzaggy. And, you know, speaking from personal experience myself, I've definitely felt, you know, even being in, having been in recovery um, or recovered from my eating disorder for many years now, I'm a human being. I see magazines, I see Instagram. I, I would be lying if I was trying to like sell you that like it goes away. It doesn't go away. It's something, it doesn't go away until we change diet culture and our society is completely different. So that's a lot of pressure to put on you as an individual, you know? So what you can do to protect your boundaries and your space is to remind yourself that, you know, you're not a bad feminist or a bad, bad at body positivity or where, whatever it is for having those moments where it's still a struggle because it's, it's just human, human nature. Um, but also knowing that even though you might have this like instinct to be a little unkind to yourself or instinct to put pressure on yourself to look a certain way or to exercise a certain amount or do whatever amount of burpees, whatever the thing is that, you know, having that like background knowledge and base somewhere in the back of your head that can pull you, pull you out of it. And that's a wildly different experience than feeling just consumed by the need to look a certain way. And I actually just took my first professional dance class in three years yesterday, which was super exciting. Um, for that very same reason, I had a lot of perfectionism attached to it. And dance is something that I've done since I was three and I love it. Um, but Pilates felt like a much safer outlet for me because it was a little bit less, um, like, uh, how, how should I put this? Like desti destination bound. Like it was mm -hmm. not like I was doing it with a specific goal in mind other than keeping my body healthy. Whereas dance was like, okay, I need to do 32 foot days. I need to like nail out all these tricks and I'm not going to be good enough until I can do this thing that a choreographer is asking of me. And not everyone has that experience with dance, but for me, it became a very negative cycle and I needed to take space from it. So I also say to people that, you know, I hope you take my class and enjoy my class and feel healthy in my class. But sometimes a break is the is the most important thing or experimenting with other modalities. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe you will love cycling. Maybe you will love, you know, running, whatever it is. I don't, I don't love running, but <laughs> <laughs> but I have tried it and I, I check in every now and then. I, I, I try to try as many things as I can. It, it's all so situational on the instructor, the playlist, mm -hmm. the environment. And just because you tried it and hated it five years ago doesn't mean that you'll not, not enjoy it now. So playing around with it, having a, a not so serious like intensity about exercise. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, there is something to be said, right, for essentially protecting your peace right and if you find peace through this modality of movement and it feels good in your body feels good in your mind whatnot like that's great then also yeah like it is fun to add that like spice or variety here and there just to like keep things interesting um and I love you know and this might sound a little cliche but I really think it's true and your description between going the Pilates route versus dance you know long term kind of made me think of it but so often we think of many aspects of life, but especially with fitness and movement and exercise, we think of it almost as a destination versus like the lifelong journey that it is. Just as you said earlier with body awareness being something that will hopefully be with you your entire life, right? Like it's ever evolving, ever changing as you age, as you your body changes, et cetera. Like movement itself, exercise, fitness, whatever it is, it's for so many of us, myself included, it's so easy to get wrapped up in that. Like, I'm doing this for X reason, or, you know, like I'll be happy, I'll be content, I'll be healthy or fit, whatever it is when I have abs or when I can do this amount of this, or when I can lift this, this, or do X, Y, Z, complete the triathlon, whatever it is. And that very much so becomes this like destination mindset that could lead to just, I don't know, losing that awareness or 
feeling increased pressure or just not being able to really intuitively listen to your body on that like day-to-day or weekly basis versus if you do think of it just like with recovery or finding like more freedom with food, anything like that, it really is a journey and a process and any journey and process has those like twists and turns, right? Like it, it's, it's just allowing that like freedom of life truly to like come in. Like there's going to be different seasons of life, different things happening. And if you can just like, I don't know, kind of go with that versus having that such a like stuck in place destination mindset. I just think that's, I don't know, that's what I was thinking of when you were describing that, because I feel like that's where I've been like trying to shift more towards lately is like, I'm not doing this to like, I don't know, accomplish this one set goal. I want to just have this be part of my lifestyle moving forward. And I want it to be something that is sustainable in that sense. Yeah. I mean, it, it's very interesting how many things are at play here. We're such a goal oriented, like hyper productive society. And I, my partner's French and not to say that French people are not goal oriented, (laughs) but there is a very, it's a very staunch difference in like our out of office emails. I don't know if you've seen that meme. That's like a French person going on vacation. I'll see you in three months. And an American is like, I'm having kidney surgery this afternoon, but I'll be on my email. And so that has reflected a lot of societal stuff to me being in in this relationship. And even with things that are like hobbies and outside of like quote wellness, like I've been taking um, a ceramics wheel throwing class, trying to, you know, use more of this creative side of my brain that I, I was missing a lot by not taking dance classes as regular regularly as I was before. And what's fun about ceramics, and I also write a blog um, for Helen Field Studio because I love writing, um, is that it, it's like this way to use that part of my brain and my my body um, without feeling so attached to the outcome. Like, mm-hmm. yes, I like don't want to make just like a crumpled crumpled pile of clay. <laughs> I, I want to continually progress. There is. Uh, that's there. I'm not going to pretend I, I don't have any detachment, any attachment. Um, but it is, I think, important to have things that you're like not trying to monetize that you don't mm-hmm. feel really hung up on. Um, you know, speaking as someone who spent her whole life training to be a dancer, doing the things that thing that she loved, and then pivoted into making her hobby her career instead. So, you know, it's it's easier it said than done. <laughs> I love what I do, but it does sometimes mean that you need other things that help you release some of the intensity around that. And thinking of food as a journey or exercise as a journey, like you said, it feels cliche to say out loud, but it's not supposed to be like cut and dry. We're not robots. It's Mm -hmm. not just like type in code productivity comes out. We're always changing. Seasons are changing. Where we live in the world is changing there's, there's so much going on that is varying. No, truly. And I think that's like, whether it's intuitive movement or just like finding more intuition in your day-to-day life being like, as those changes occur and as things keep shifting, like just remain like continuously checking in with yourself and tuning in to like what you need or what you're craving or what you're feeling pulled towards. Like, I don't know. I just think that can be such an overlooked aspect of life when you're like caught in the hamster wheel of yeah, like hustle culture, hustle culture, toxic productivity, or any of that, that fun stuff, um, not so fun stuff. <laughs> but um, yeah, just sort of like one of my last questions here is, I just wanted to ask you as someone who does have, you know, social media, and you have um, virtual, you know, business and practice that you are also like driving through there as well. Has, have you ever struggled with that relationship to social media? As I think that's where so many do, right? Like I'll feel fine. And then I get on social media and I'm like, well, (laughs) that's not my body. And I'm trying to convince myself that's not what I want, but you know, it's just, it's hard. There's so much and our minds are so impressionable and there's so much coming at us. And while there's lots of good, lots of great people like yourself on there, there's also great people that are unintentionally sharing things that are just triggering to you personally, uh, you yeah. know, right? Like that's like the big yeah. thing for me is I have to remind myself, this is just, this is her body. And I am personally triggered by this. Let's reevaluate Emily, why you're triggered by this, but still like, it is hard. So just like, how have you navigated that? Um, just 
not only being on social media, but like building your business, like, or not building it, but you know, having it on there as well. And just having it be such probably like an active part of your life, I assume. Yeah, it's definitely something that's hard. <laughs> we, we all feel this, so do not feel alone in that. Um, but at the same time, it's also been so healing in some aspects. Like, I think that, you know, back in like, what was it like 2013 or whatever, when I started sharing Pilates stuff on my Instagram, and it was when I started being vulnerable about body image stuff and my history with disordered, eat- disordered eating, that I got the most engagement and connection and feeling like, okay, like this is something that we need to talk about. And that led me down like this rabbit hole of seeking out other voices in the space as well, instead of just like, you know, all of the celebrity trainers and, you know, whatever, um, which is like such a teeny part of the wellness industry that gets all of the attention. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, filling my feed with more diverse bodies of all different kinds makes you feel a lot more human and and normal than filling your feed with like one narrow ideal of beauty, which is again, like the thing that's really promoted and sponsored and sold to us. So it's much easier to do it that way. Unfortunately, it takes a lot of effort to curate your feed in a more intentional way. Um, but it does make a huge difference. That being said, sometimes even seeing like your best friend on like an amazing beach vacation can make you be like, why am I not on a a beach vacation? Mm -hmm. So there's so many layers, layers to it. And it, it, it just, you have to take breaks from it. You have to give yourself time away from it and be cognizant of when you start to feel that, that thinking shift. So another thing where it's like a constant journey, a constant reevaluation. I just, every like six months, I'm like, I'm going to delete my Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm trying to think of it lately. I'm trying to think of it a as like more playful mm-hmm. instead of like how can I create the most like striving viral content. Which like the unfortunate thing about running your own business and having social media is that like you do need to have like SEO and all that stuff in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's sucking the joy out of doing it don't do it. Focus on something else. Focus on your email list. Focus on, you know, your in-person offerings and then come back to it when you feel like you have the bandwidth. And that's, again, not like the most productive capitalistic answer to give you because that would be like post three times a day, whatever, but that's not sustainable, especially if you're, you know, a small business or a solo business like Mm I am. Um, But yeah, always reevaluating your relationship to it and making sure that you, you have accounts that show you different bodies, show you that health looks different on everybody and are also like inspirational in, not in a, like a fitspo way, but in a, like, oh, I could, I can grow this way, not just changing my appearance, but there's, there's so many aspects of what this person is posting that I would like to embody. And trying not to let it be like, oh, well, I'm, I'm not good enough because I'm not embodying that yet, but instead feeling like it's adding something, mm-hmm. you know, easier said than done. It's, it's tough. Yeah. No, and I think, right. Like whether that's the unintentional theme of this episode or not, like awareness, not only of your body, but of like your mental, emotional space as well. Like being aware of, yeah. Like how does this account make me feel? Cause so easy, right? Like I'll just, I'll be scrolling and all of a sudden I'm like, wait, every time I see this person post, like whether it's something they're saying or it's a personal trigger, like it's upsetting my internal peace. Like, why do I continue to, you know, put myself through this, you know? And it's like building that awareness of like, okay, this doesn't feel good for me. Maybe I need like a break from their content for a bit. Maybe I need to like work on this aspect of my own, like mental, emotional state right now. Maybe I need to do X, Y, Z, like I don't know, like body awareness, overall awareness, like it's, it can be so crucial, I think, to be living in a world that's filled with so much and being on a platform, social media, that's filled with so much as well. So I, I second that not easy, but definitely yeah. like something to, to think on and hopefully prioritize if you, if you're able to. So 
and make friends with the mute button. I mean, yes. <laughs> I have the, I, I feel very privileged having lived in New York for almost 10 years that I have some friends doing some pretty incredible stuff in both the performing arts world and in the wellness world. And I'm so proud of them, but oftentimes it can, it can make you forget that you yourself have accomplished a lot when mm -hmm. you have people in your circle that inspire you so much. So some of my best friends, I mute and I like, I'll unmute them every now and then go like all their posts, give them some, you know, hyped comments and then mute them again because I've, I just, it doesn't add anything to my day and it, mm -hmm. it hinders me from doing the most that I can. And yeah, I'm very, very liberal with the mute and then also blocking the people who need to be, <laughs> that yeah. need to be blocked. Um, but it's oftentimes not the people that you would think that you need to mute. Yeah. No, no, I love that. And like last bit I'll say is just even like that idea of something like the mute button their, their content could be perfectly fine to you on some days, right? When you're at peace and you're kind of centered and grounded, but like, if you catch that, it can be one post on a day when you're already anxious or you're already stressed or something's already triggered you. And it just takes one post to like completely, at least for me to like, it'll be like the last straw, you know, and it breaks and I'm just like done spiraled, whatever. So yeah, like even having that safety lock of like the mute button and then knowing that when you're in that okay mindset and you're feeling up to it, like, okay, like I'll check in with them, see what they're up to. Like, I feel in a very heart centered space today. I have the capacity to do that versus just having it be like a guessing game of whenever their content could pop up, you know? So I like that. I like that a lot for um, like the mute button and just utilizing the features we have on there. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so all that being said, uh, where can people connect and find you on social media for your offerings, your programs, um, you have your website for the blog as well too, I believe. So mm -hmm. just anywhere and everywhere they can connect and find you. Yes. Yeah, so Instagram is Helen V. Phelan, um, Phelan, P-H-E-L-A-N. Um, my, my online studio is just called HelenPhelanStudio.com. You'll find the blog, you'll find access to the, the catalog of workouts, you'll find articles I've written, all sorts of stuff. Um, what else? I mean, I have a TikTok, but I'm not like really a TikToker. I'm more of a lurker. I'm <laughs> trying to figure out TikTok still. Um, that. But that's Helen and Feeling Studio too. If you want to watch me look like a real old millennial over there. Um, I think that that's it. Yeah. And then I can send you a link to this that you could maybe put in the show notes. I have a free guide to getting started um, unlearning toxic fitness culture and, and learning to love your movement practice. So I'll send that to you to, to give to people as well. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah. We'll give them all the resources. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on today. This conversation was just everything I wanted it to be. And I, I appreciate you making space for it. Well, thank you for having me. I always have fun talking about this stuff, even if there are no clear cut answers. <laughs>